0: Baptist Church Bible Study, take one. All right, now, (laughs) good evening. How's everybody doing? All right, so good. Welcome back. I'm glad to be back. This is the uh, first installment of our fall podcast that deals with uh, the sermon series that we've dealt with, and so thank God for you. I'm glad. I hope everybody had a nice break. Amen. Hope kids are back in school and parents are back off to doing what parents do uh, when kids are in school. God bless you. My last child is getting ready to finish college. And so I won't be running them down the highway. I look, you know, we were in Walmart this weekend, buying stuff. I almost teared up. I said, Lord, this is my last time doing this right here. Uh, from now on, I'm just going if they need anything, say y'all on your own, all right? But uh, you know how you go to Walmart and do that trip, right? So it's my winning season. That has been the sermon series that we have been dealing with for the last few weeks. Uh, and, and it is really a concept uh, that I want to dig deeper into and kind of pull and extract really some, uh, some principles out of preaching that we have been talking about. And it is, first of all, to distinguish what a winning season for godly people really is. Uh, the first thing you have to realize is that the secular concept of winning and the sacred concept of winning, they are not the same. Amen. They are not the same. God gives for his people, for us, Uh, God's chosen people a concept of winning that does not require someone else to be defeated in order for us to win the only defeated person in the Christian victory is the enemy himself It is the devil so we don't compete against each other. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Amen Uh, I'm not striving against you. I'm not competing against you. I am seeking to be all that God would have me to be I'm seeking to become all that God would have me to become, but it is not in a competition against you. And so if we could ever get that in our head, I think we're off to a good start because what happens with so many of us is we fall out with each other because we see our brother or our sister getting ahead and we fall out with them as if they are competing against us. It is just a season that God has allowed them to flourish in, to mature in, to receive the blessings or to reap the harvest from the seed that they have sown. And so I often tell people that don't covet what somebody else has, uh, don't wish that you had it, because guess what, you don't know how they got it. You don't know what they have to go through to keep it, and you don't know how a struggle or what kind of pain they've had to endure. So the secular concept of a winning season is to rise to the top Or it is a rise to the top and a claim to victory by defeating all of your opponents and so you know boxers get into a fight one knocks the other one out the one who gets his hand raised at the end is the winner but in god's circle god gives us the victory and as i said on sunday there is room in our winning circle for others to be included we saw uh the video that took place between uh, 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 Osaka, Naomi Osaka and Coco Gauff where Coco Gauff began to cry after she had lost the match. And it appeared as though the defeat had caused her some pain and so Osaka being the champion or the victor, she said, no, 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 wait a minute, she called her. She said, come over here with me and stand and they did the interview together which brought some healing and some hope the life of coco goth which said to her you're one day going to be standing where i am you're going to be in this circle you're going to be victorious and that's what god's wins in the life of christians look like when i win it ought to give you hope amen when i win it should give someone else hope when i come through victoriously it ought to give you encouragement When I defeat cancer, when you see me get up out the bed and get back on my feet, it ought to say to someone who may be enduring that you can do the same. When you see me get out of my financial ruin or overcome my divorce or raise my child, that should give you encouragement that the same God who was able to do it for me is able to do it for you. And so our victories are to do two things. Our winning seasons are to do two things. Number one, it is to first of all prove that We can persevere and endure. That is given. But then we ought to glorify God and give hope to humanity. We ought to glorify God and give hope to humanity. What did David prove on Sunday in his winning season when the men were saying, "Uh uh-uh, we're not going to bless the other folk. We're not going to give them none of the spoil. David said, wait a minute. We're not going to act like that. He said, we're not going to act like that. He said, this is the Lord's treasure." God blessed us with this. How many of us know that everything we have belongs to the Lord? The earth is the Lord's and what? The fullness thereof. So everything you and I have, it belongs to God. So if I have something that can be a blessing to my brother or to my sister and God is telling me to release it and to put it in their life, and in their heart, then I have no right to withhold what God has entrusted into my care. And I, say, I tell people this all the time, when God can trust you with his blessings, he don't mind giving them to you. Because when he can trust you with it, he'll give it to you because he knows you're not going to try to keep it all to yourself. That's why David had so much. That's why every time you saw David, he was winning. Even though, did David have some problems in his life? Yes, he did. Did David have some flaws in his life? Yes, he did. But guess what? His heart was right before God. The Bible reminds us over and over, he was a man after God's own heart. And so what I want to look at tonight is these whole concepts or these concepts again. First of all, I want you to see that winning is a timed thing. Amen? Winning is a timed thing. It's not... You know, and, and God knows, uh, I, I, you know, waiting is a word we don't like to hear. But if you look at both of these winners, Elizabeth in Luke chapter one, and David in First Samuel chapter thirty, David's journey started a long time before First Samuel chapter thirty. David had been anointed to be king when he was a teenager. Saul had literally tried to kill him for what Psalms say 13 times over 20 years. And so literally in his 20s, he was always being pursued. Tell somebody your 20s can be tough. <laughs> How many of us have survived our 20s? Lord, help me in here. Amen. We do some crazy stuff in our 20s. But I t- your tw- David was being pursued in his 20s. And Saul was trying to kill him. He was throwing spears at him. He was always after him, trying to get. Him. And David wasn't doing anything. He was trying to serve Saul. But in that season, David was persevering. He yet held the principles of the Lord. He would not touch God's anointed. He kept on trying to do what was right. He wasn't weary in well-doing. The Bible says Elizabeth was blessed alongside her husband. It says she was upright alongside her husband. But when the blame came for the barrenness, Elizabeth was singled out all by herself. It said, And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. She bore the burden of the barrenness by herself. Say that fast three times. She did. She carried that load all by herself. And the Bible said, and it was well past their years of conception. So guess what? While she is waiting on God to do something great for her, she remained faithful. She remained a servant. She kept showing up. God, that's hard to do. Is somebody in here? That is hard to do while you're waiting for something. It's like going to work waiting on a paycheck, and they tell you next Friday. Then they tell you when next Friday come. We was talking about next Friday. And then when next Friday come, they say it ain't this Friday. You're not going to go no more, Pam? But the Lord told you to be faithful. The Lord said, be, be not weary in well-doing. And what you going to go in there complain about? I'm burning up my gas, and I keep showing up in here. It's hard to remain faithful while you're waiting. And so what I want to look at tonight, because Elizabeth and David, both of these two people, while they were waiting on winning seasons, and yes, they did come, They had to be faithful in the process. They had to work and to wait while they were waiting on the wind. They had to work and to wait while they were waiting on the wind. How difficult is that, to work and to wait when you don't see anything happening? I mean, you just seem like you're going through the motions. I'm going through the same stuff over and over. Elizabeth keeps showing up. She keeps serving beside her husband. They keep being faithful in the temple, but still, no no baby. David has been anointed to be king. He keeps fighting battles for the Lord. He kills Goliath. He refuses to kill Saul when Saul had been trying to kill him. The Philistines are still chasing after him. He does not have a permanent home. And then once he finds a place with the Philistines, Saul picks a fight with the Philistines looking for David. The Philistines put him out. He goes back to the place where they have given him to live called Ziklag, and they done burned that down. He got some more enemies that have burned that down. And David is saying, well, I can't win for what? That's the part where most of y'all who are from South Memphis, Binghamton, North Memphis, and other places, you say, Lord, I can handle it from here. You start doing what? Taking matters? You mm-hmm. start taking matters in your own hands. You're tired of waiting. Matter of fact, working is out of the question now. I'm not working anymore because working has not proven to pay off at all. I'm doing all this work, ain't nothing happening. I've been doing all this waiting. Nothing is showing up. But I want you to see something. Go to Galatians chapter 4. All of God's blessings are in time. All of God's blessings are in time. Who has the message version of scripture on tonight? Somebody normally has it for me. Uh... You got it. Okay, Terica, you you keep the message for me on this particular passage. Uh, Somebody else, let's go to Galatians chapter 4. We know this, and I want you to separate very clearly, and I want to teach this godly principle real uh, real quickly. Uh, I got a lot in this lesson that I want to try to cover on tonight. If I don't get it all tonight, uh, I'll hold you over for an hour because you've been out for a month. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, it begins at verse number 4. But when the fullness of time had come, when the what? What does that mean? When the time that God himself had set, and God said, now is the time. Listen, folks, nothing happens before God gets ready for it to happen. I don't care how big of a hurry you get into, your tight season situation is not making God nervous. Because he already knows how he's going to work it out. While you are in your panic mode trying to figure out what's going on next, God is sitting back saying, look here, I ain't got time for that. I ain't worried about it because I already know what I'm going to do. I got every answer in my hand. I already know how I'm going to handle this. I already know when I'm going to deliver. I know when I'm going to heal. I know when I'm going to bless. I know when I'm going to release. I already know what I'm going to do it. it is in the fullness of time when God says, okay, the fullness of time is when I can handle no more and God sees me. He knows the weight, and, and, and look, you know there's somebody sitting close to you that look like you, and they look like they're strong as you, but they can't handle what you can handle. Don't ask for somebody else's load. I promise you, you can't handle it. Do not think, and don't ever, don't ever diminish or play down somebody else's situation. You don't know what they are enduring, but in the fullness of time, God sent his son He knew that the world could handle no more and the Savior had to come. He sends his son in the fullness of time. Uh, Verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman under the law to do what? Redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. He knew how he was going to deliver. And in your situation, in my situation right now, God knows how he's going to fix it. He knows. And if you believe God is going to fix it, here's what we got to learn how to do. We got to learn how to wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And we got to learn how to work while we wait, how to keep on serving and not being weary in our well-doing. Man, that's tough. Because when God ain't blessing me, I want to slap the taste out of somebody's mouth. Can I just tell you how I really feel sometimes? Sometimes when stuff going, you know, don't, don't, I mean, when I, you know, anybody ever been sleepy and hungry at the same time? It's a bad combination. You know that, don't you? I be feeling like that sometimes when God, you, got, you know, hey, that, this ain't a good time. Talk to me. All right. And then don't come over, tell me, oh, everything's going to be all right. Take it on somewhere. Because you don't know how wrong it is talking about it's going to be all right. I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I'm hungry, and I'm asleep at the same time. But when the fullness of time had come, God remedied the situation. Have you ever experienced a fullness of time moment in the Lord when God just did it at the moment you weren't even expecting it? And you just said, Whew. That's what happens. Sometimes you don't know whether to shout, laugh, run, or do it all at the same time. Sometimes it's just an overflow of joy that comes out of you. And folk look at you and ask you, what's wrong with you? And you can't even tell them what's wrong with you because everything's right. Ain't nothing wrong. Because you are just so relieved. And in, in in my experience, the Lord never does it on my time schedule. He never does it in my chronology. He does it in his kairos. It is called the time of God. God does not operate by man's time. Don't ever, look, look, Lord, I need a job because I ain't got, oh, I'm going to have to pay this house note next week. You ain't got no job next week, week after next, week after that, and we, but you're still in the house. Lord, I ain't got no gas, and if I don't get some money, if somebody don't bless me, and you're going everywhere you want to go and never crank your car because he keeps sending somebody to pick you up in his own time, in his time. And so the blessings of the Lord come in the timing of God. Godly winning is also the victory of having persevered through various stages of life and maturity that the win that we possess glorifies God and becomes a blueprint of hope for other people. Do you know that there is somebody in this world, probably in this room, probably in your house, in your family, in your neighborhood, who has looked at your life at least one time and they have said, I sure do want what they got. Because they saw you walk through situations or see you with your head up. Because you're trusting in the Lord while you're going through it. Or they saw you when you were down and they saw God lift you up and they say, that's what I want right there. See, when you go through, you glorify God. And what David did, not only look at how big this must look in the eyes of those men. If you think they were valiant men, guess what? They became more valiant after that, because when they saw that 400 men didn't want to bless them, and one man stood up and said, I'm not going to let you treat him that way. The other 200 said, thank you, God, for sending David. Now, guess what? Every time David goes into battle, these 200 here, they say, we can't help but to fight with David. Because David fought for us. They saw him in the struggle. And when they see you in the struggle and see you survive it, that's where strength comes from. That's what strength derives from. And so look at it very carefully. What happens is that God, I win. My win is not all about me. Touch your neighbor and say, your win is not all about you. Your win is about God and about others. I used to think winning was all about me. I know. Y'all didn't think that way. I'm just confessing because I got the microphone, right? I used to think winning was all about me. Me, me, my, my, I, I, I. Did your prayer ever sound that way? Come on, be honest. But now I, I include a whole lot of folk. Bless, include. And I don't, you know, I think I'm, I, I'm, 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 in question of my spirituality. I'm growing in the Lord. I don't start blessing folk that curse me. Lord, and bless this one right here. Knowing that they're talking about me like a dog. I'm growing up in the Lord. Once upon a time, I'd get to their name and go, mm you know. But now I call their name before the Lord. Give them understanding. Bless them. Keep them. Heal them. It's a Mighty big prayer. And it happens because our win is not all about us. When you read Luke 1 and uh, 5 through 23, I want you to see something. I want you to see this, and uh, you'll get it when you get to the house. Just read all these passages. But when, when Elizabeth is there, she's struggling, and she's you know, going through, and she's bearing the weight of being uh, the one who carries the weight of being barren in the family. But as you proceed through the text, there is a point of encounter When Mary, who has also been told uh, that she is with child, and she walks into the room and the Bible says when Mary said just hello, right, that the baby in Elizabeth's womb just began to leap for joy, right? And then when that baby begins to leap, Elizabeth begins to prophesy. She said, oh, blessed is the woman who believed what God has said. In verse 45, that's a powerful text to me because she said, look, you had enough faith to do what God told you to do. It's already happened to me. Remember, she's five months on down the road. But yet Mary is a young girl. Elizabeth is an older woman. But she said, my Lord is present because the baby in my womb leaped. And she said, Bless you for believing what God has said. A seasoned person who has gotten a victory encourages a person looking for a victory. A seasoned person going through it encourages a person who's getting ready to start going through it. Do you see that connection between the wind? A person who has now, for five months, been in hiding is now saying to the one who's coming on the scene, you're going to be all right. I'm pretty sure y'all don't remember, but there's somebody in your church that encouraged you when you was growing up. There's somebody in your family that told you, baby, it's going to be all right. They looked at you and they saw you struggling and you didn't think they knew what it was. And they just tapped you on the shoulder or held you by the hand and some of them gave you that holy handshake with a 5, 10, or $20 bill in it. Don't act like it, it ain't never happened to you and they just say it's going to be all right, right? And it's not because they had some spooky, prophetic wisdom gift or something. No, they just looked at you and saw your shoes looked a little ran over, amen. They just looked at your children and saw these children need some, right? And they realized that not because of the need, but because they had experienced it. And when people have experienced and survived something, guess what they can do? Encourage other folk. When you win, Do not get selfish with the blueprint. Don't you go home and sit up and act like you got here all by yourself. Shame on us who act like we ain't never struggled before. That's why I told them today. I was down there, a little lunch and all that. They were talking about what's good about Memphis and all this. And I told them again, I said, we need to pay that money for that third car. Amen. I know y'all going to get on my nerve. I'm going to get on y'all nerve. Somebody already upset. But you know what? If you're blessed enough to have a third car, just pay the money. Amen. That means you ain't riding the bus no more. You got three running cars at the house. And if the third car ain't running and sitting up on bricks, get rid of it. You should have got rid of it a long time ago. The point that I make in it is that God lets you win so your win can be encouragement to someone else. Can I encourage you to do something before you leave here even on tonight? Make up in your heart, make up in your mind to just allow people a glimpse behind the curtain in your life. Sometimes people need to see what it looked like to have struggled and fought and to come forth in a win. Don't you walk around here holding your win, you know, like you got it all to yourself and got it all by yourself. Somebody blocked for you. Yeah. Somebody called a play. Somebody told you to look out. You're about to be hit. Somebody was covering you. Amen. Somebody knew your dirt and didn't tell nobody. Lord, help me. Somebody knew you couldn't do the job, but they promoted you anyway, and they walked with you till you learn how to do it. Come on in this house. You got to learn that people who have won know what it looks like to help other people win. And that's what they did. So here's the point. Elizabeth's faithfulness. You got this on your outline. Elizabeth's faithfulness proves that a godly what, win sometimes requires waiting and working. Working and waiting, waiting and working—however you want to put it. David's inclusiveness proves we sometimes win through others. Hey, can I ask you a question? Uh, Who's the Super Bowl champ last year? New England Patriots. New England Patriots. Who's the left tackle? Who the quarterback? Did the left tackle get a ring? Did he get a check? He may not have got to go to the. He may not have gone to Disney World. But guess what? With the check, you can buy your own ticket, can't you? Here's my point. Sometimes you win through others, and a win is a win is a win. Uh. I gave y'all my, my card playing illustration a few weeks ago, and I know some of y'all ain't got over it yet because y'all too saved. But I was losing in that game, too. But one of the guys cut clubs while he still had a club in his hand. What'd you say? He, who said that? Reneg- when he reneged, what you got to do? got to give up three books. So I was losing. But when I called him, and he had to renew and he had to give up them three books. I won. They said, y'all really didn't win. We just had to give up three books. And that's the only way y'all beat us. I said, check the paper out. A win is a win no matter how you get it. Now, I wish I had some of y'all in here that was wise enough to learn that when God give you a victory, even if you was not the one to score the touchdown and make all the books, you better tell the Lord, thank you, any way you get it. Because some of us are still winning off our mama's prayers, off our daddy's prayers. we winning off the prayers of folk that prayed us up and through. And I don't care how you get there and how you got it. A win is a win is a win. And so these men won with David. I don't know their names. I know they won. I know they got their stuff back. I know and they increased with David. They increased with him. But I want you to get to the back part of your outline. This is important because I wanted to teach this because as we talk about winning seasons, there are some principles that go along with this more than just uh, the concept of what a winning season is, right? If I'm ever going to reap a harvest, I must sow a seed. Let me clarify this word seed before we go too far. Seed is not always money, right? Seed is deed, seed is love, seed is encouragement, seed is service, seed is hope. Seed is whatever I hope to harvest or to return back to my life. Goodwill, long-suffering, whatever it may be. And all too often, what happens to us is that we wait on winning seasons, but we don't want to practice and and, and go to the preseason so we can be right for the game. We like to just get up off the bench and walk in and get the win. You don't want I don't want to study God's word. I don't want to pray. I don't want, all I want God to do is just bless me. Lord, just bless me. Amen. I ain't blessed nobody. I ain't done nothing good for nobody. But I'm asking every good thing that God does to return to my life. How is anything ever going to return to my life if I never sow anything from my life? I want to teach this principle on the night because what happens to so many of us, and I don't want you to take this as a monetary thing. I want to keep stating that over and over again because whenever people start talking about seed, time, and harvest, first thing people say is, oh, the pastor's the talking about money. I ain't talking about just money, but I am talking about money if you want money. Amen. You cannot reap what you don't sow. This is as biblical a concept that starts in the book of Genesis that permeates the entire Scripture. Genesis 8 and 22 says it very clearly. Said till the end of the world, there will always be seed, time, and harvest. Summer and winter. The season, all, none of this is going to change. Go to Genesis 8 and Look at this very carefully in your scripture. You need to see it. These are some principles that we need to see very clearly, and then I'm going to give you five principles, and I'm going to get out of here and get out of your way. Genesis 8.22, somebody who has it, get to it, if you beat me to it, amen, go for it. Here it is, Genesis 8.22. While the earth remains, are we still in the earth? All right, so if if the earth is still here now, these things are always in place. This is the Lord saying after the flood. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. These these things will never change. Seed time and harvest. You will never ever see an apple tree grow where an apple seed has not been planted. You can walk around that ground and pray for apples all day. You might see an apple roll down the hill Somebody might come and bring a bag of apples or a sack of apples and sit them there. But you will never see an apple tree grow in a place where an apple seed has not been sown. Well, pastor, they got ways of hybrid stuff now and cloning. It started with a seed. You cannot get the genetic makeup of an apple out of anything other than an apple seed. He has sent a principle in the earth that the seed will bear fruit and the seed is also metaphor for the deed of life and the good that you and I do, the goodwill that we show towards others, the service that we provide. You are not going to get back what you don't put out. I see this all the time when people wonder why people don't run to their aid and rescue. But they do not run to the aid and rescue of anybody. They don't go see about nobody. They don't call nobody. They don't encourage nobody. But as soon as they fall on hard time, they wonder, where about that? You are violating the principle of the earth. Seed time and harvest. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. That's not all. And and we used to use that to beat people up. You reap what you sow, you know. You do something bad, you're going to get it back, right? I look at it from the good because I done figured out something. I don't like bad stuff. So guess what I figured out? Don't do it. Try to stay away from it, right? I don't want it back. You know some people can give it but they can't take it? I'm one of those people. So I just try not to give it. But good, I try to overload. Because I like it when good comes back to me. How many of you like it when good comes back to you? Well, I don't need no good. I don't need nobody to do nothing. I just need everybody to leave me alone. You lying. You lying. Everybody like good coming back to them. I don't need nobody going to send me no flowers. I just need, uh, when flowers show up, you say, oh, thank you. As soon as they leave, you go, they sent me some flowers. You love them privately. We like good. That principle says seed time and harvest will be here as long as the earth remains. As long as the earth remains. That's a principle that God has set in motion, and He said, This is the way it's going to work. Um, what you give out, you get back. People call it karma. I don't call it that. That's a Gnostic term. I call it God's will. He said it in order. He simply told us that. He said, do good, and good will follow you. Love one another. Be kind towards one another. Be brotherly affectionate towards one another. He teaches us how to treat each other. Mama and them said some other stuff. If you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. Shut up. <laughs> right? Simple things like that. That's all God is asking us to do, and that's all the Lord requires. What does the Lord require of thee? To do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. This thing is not as hard as we make it, y'all. Do justly. Do right by the people around you. Love mercy, not just for yourself, but for everybody else. Your, your child do something wrong, have mercy, Lord. Somebody else's child do something wrong, they're getting what they deserve. Have mercy on them, too. Well, I don't want them out there in these streets, but I want them to have mercy on them. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. All of these things are things that God has set in order. And then the Lord is very specific about where he tells us to do the sowing of our life. I'm going to give you five principles, and I've got to give you these scriptures before I get to them. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 12, I think it is. Yeah, 12 on the outline, right? Deuteronomy chapter 12. Let's look at these real quickly. Then we're going to walk through the five principles. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, the day and the night shall not cease. All right, Deuteronomy 12. The Lord is saying something here. And, and I, I think we've got to get this principle so, we've we, we really got to get this one because we've kind of become our own little people in charge of, you know, what, what we're going to do. I know what God said, but I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Uh, here's what the word says in chapter 12. These are the statutes and judgments. What are statutes and judgments? Law. The Lord said, this is what I want you to do, right? These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord your God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you do what? Live on earth. All right, so as long as you're living, this is the truth. That's what he's saying, as long as you're living, right? Well, that's in the Old Testament. It's Old Testament truth, and you still alive, so it's still true. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods. He said, tear down every idol. On the high mountains, on the hills, and under every green tree. You shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. But verse five, watch what it says. But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place. And there you shall go there. You shall take your burnt offerings. Your sacrifices. Your what? Ah, uh, didn't get quiet now. Come on. And what? All right. The heave offerings of your hand, your vowed offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of the herds of your flocks. And there you shall eat bread before the Lord your God. You shall rejoice in all to which you have put your hand, you and your households in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not at all do as we are doing here today. Every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. Please get that. When the Lord prescribes where he wants you to go and do what he tells you to do, you sow your seed in the designated place where God has sent you. Too many of us in modern thinking now are so grown And so on our own that we think that whatever we have is ours to do what we want to do with it. And so I'm going to take it and give it where I want to give it. I ain't giving it to the church because I don't like the way if the Lord put his name here and told you to put it here, then please put it here. Do not take it to the whatever association that does good works. Do not, and what happens with many of us is we start saying, well, I'm going to take mine and do it over here because they do stuff. You do what the Lord says do. Don't do what is right in your own eyes. I see a lot of people who are generous and they are givers, but they're not blessed. I see a lot of people who want to do it their way. And I got to be honest with you. I went through a little phase of that. Well, I was going, you know, I'm going to give to this because they do all this. And I'm going to give to I'm going to give some to that after I do what the Lord tell me to do here. But I cannot I cannot choose. And there are some great organizations that do great work all over the country. I'm not saying that we should not support them. Please don't take that out of what I'm saying. But I am saying do what the Lord says do first. Do what the Lord says do first. It is very specific in Deuteronomy. It is very specific in the Levitical priesthood order. Paul comes back and reiterates it again in his writings. It is very clear that the Lord has taken the church and placed his name in that place, and he commands his people to do this in this particular place. He does not say you can't give to a charitable organization. He does not say you can't give to some you know, other entity, but he says, make sure you do what I have commanded you to do all right that is a command from the Lord questions about that before I go any further all right I want to make sure because I want everybody to say well pastor what about this I'm not saying you can't give to a charity please don't misquote me I'm saying the Lord has specifically set aside that place that he told his people to gather and to be generous and to give and to support et etc 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 second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 just tells us the spirit in which we do it God loves a what He loves generous, cheerful people. And so he does not want us to do it begrudgingly. So whatever we do in the sowing of a seed, whatever we do, and and, and again, seed is not just money. Let me say it again. If the Lord tells me, go over here and speak to George. And you and George don't like each other, but go speak to George. Hey, George, how you doing? Did I really speak to George? what I do? I check the box. Hey, George, hey. Got that out the way, right? I saw a man the other day I almost break his arm trying not to shake my hand. He was sitting down and I, I saw him and he wouldn't stand up so I got real low and grabbed him. Hey man, I had to almost lift his hand up off the floor. But I was going to do what the Lord told me to do. Speak to him, greet him in brotherly love, be kind-hearted and affectionate towards him, Right? They were at a restaurant. I was waiting on the Lord to tell me to pay for his food, but he didn't tell me to. I was going to do that too. It wasn't going to be nothing but a blessing for me. That's all it was going to be. Do what the Lord tells you to do generously and cheerfully. Right? Now, can I be honest with you? Sometimes the Lord tells you when you're not ready. Amen. He'll tell you before you're ready to do it. Amen. Right? What do you need to do? Get somewhere and sit down and pray. Lord, give me a cheerful spirit. Lord, help me to do what you told me to do. Right? Don't be disobedient. Lord, help me, give me the strength to go do what you just told me to do. Because I ain't got it right now. Amen. I ain't got it. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? When you get to work, I want you to bless this person. Okay, hey, I'm calling in sick today. <laughs> I know how to fix that. <laughs> I ain't going to work. Because <laughs> I ain't ready, right? I'd rather give up a whole day than to go deal with them. But ask the Lord for strength. I, whenever we're teaching principles and things of this effect, I want to make sure that I don't ever simplify them to the point where I overlook our humanity. That's why I tell people when, when you're talking about forgiveness Don't tell people to forgive and forget. Just tell them to grow to forgiveness. Forgiveness is spiritual. Forgetting is biological, right? It's hard to throw away your biology. It's easy for you to grow spiritually, but it's hard for you to throw away your brain. You're never going to forget. And so we think those things through. All right. So what happens is that he tells us what to do. He tells us where to do it. He said, This principle is always the the principle of seed time and harvest. It's always going to be in play. You're never going to get around it. So here's what we got to do. Five quick principles, and I'm going to get out of your way. Number one sow a seed if you want to harvest. Sow a seed. It's real simple. You want to harvest? Sow a seed. Okay? Give me two or three bold people. What do you want from your harvest? What do you want? You want money? All right? Then I need you to sow some money. Start now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. You, you, look, do you sow an orange seed and get back an apple tree? All right. You reap what you what? Sow. All right? Now, can I elevate your principle? Do you want money or do you want the things that money is able to bring? See, one of the things I learned very early in life is you don't need money if you got everything money can bring you. A lot of us work and strive for, the, for, for some things that we think we need. You really don't need money, right? If I got comfort, if my bills are paid, right? I really wouldn't care if I got another paycheck as long as all my bills and everything are taken care of. And God keeps on providing and making a way. I want God's provision in my life, Right? Now, I mean, people, tell, people don't know this, but they say Tom Brady turned down a lot of money every year because he's always trying to build a good team for the Patriots. Tom Brady married to a woman that's worth $400 million. $400 million. Not four, $400 million, right? If God want to bless me with a $400 million a wife, I'll stay at the house, cook clean and look here, and, and, and wear flip-flops if I have to. I don't care how, any way you bless me is all right with me, amen? I ain't necessarily got to be out there bringing the bread, one and letting it come that way. If the Lord want to do it that way, comfort, and as and, and, and long as I know it's coming in a godly way, that's what I want. Give me another person, what do you want? What do you want out of life? You want good health, right? So what do you sow? All right, so you've been eating all, you've been taste-testing the Popeye's chicken and the and the. You done had all the chicken sandwiches out there taste testing them, ain't you? Popeyes, Chick-fil-A, you done asked churches to make one too, ain't you? I want good health, right? What do, you, what, what do you sow? If you have an intent of the harvest you're looking for, sow the seed that yields that harvest. Give me somebody else. What do you want? Yes, sir. Wisdom. What was yours? Wisdom of the word. So you sow seeds of pursuing wisdom to seek God's word. What does Solomon do? When when God went to Solomon and said, Solomon, ask me if anything you want. Solomon said, ooh. Hmm. Wow. He said, Tell you what, I made up my mind what I want. He said, give me wisdom, not for myself, but to lead this thy great a people. He said, give me wisdom to know what to do for your people in the situations as we go forward. God looked at Solomon and said, "Do." That is such a selfless request that not only am I gonna give you that, you gonna get everything else because your heart is right. Then he got wisdom, he got wealth, he got women, he wanted to give some of them back. (laughs) But he got everything, right? But in the end, he learned how to worship. It was a full circle. And I contend that if God gives you wisdom and wealth and a lot of women, you will learn how to worship. I'm going to leave that alone. Edit that from the podcast, please. The first thing I want to give you, sow a seed if you want to harvest. Amen. The scripture I want to give you to go with that, Galatians 6 and 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. If you want to win in a particular arena, then you need to practice in that particular arena, and you need to work in that particular arena, and you can expect results in that particular arena. If you want to proceed on your job in an area of progress and you want to go up the ladder, then you need to study what it takes to get up the ladder. You need to invest in yourself. I had a friend of mine one time who asked me what the cost of all of those Bibles I had. I had a Dakes Bible, the annotated one that's huge, cost about $280. It's a great study Bible. He looked at me and he said, man, that's too much. That Bible costs too much. He pointed at it, and when he pointed at it, I looked at the cufflinks on his shirt. I looked at the watch around his wrist. I said, you're more interested in adorning the outer man than filling the inner man. If you take and make an investment in this, one day God will let you buy all of this. But you got to invest in yourself, in your mind, in your ministry, in order to reap the rewards of what these things bring. Amen. No winning without working. All right, number two. Never be timid. No, that's not number two. Don't sow a good seed in bad ground. Lord, help me. (sighs) You know, you got good seed because if God gives you seed, the seed is good. The principle of Mark chapter four beginning at verse number one is that a sower goes out to sow. And when the sower begins to sow, It says some fell on stony ground, right? Some fell on thorny ground, and some fell on what? Good ground. So it does not ever say that the seed wasn't good, but it was the ground that was always the conditioning issue, right? There are some times in our life, and some of us, and I'm just going to say it like it's on my heart today, you hanging out in the wrong field, amen? Ain't nothing going to come up in some of the fields we hang out in. Because if you're hanging out with stony folk, then you ain't never going to get none, no seed to germinate. They're cracking the seed, the sun burning it up, they walking all over it. You're around people who don't ever talk positively. They don't ever speak positive about anything. They are not encouragers. It's always negative, negative, negative. And then you're sometimes in, 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 in thorny ground. That means the seed has gotten down in there, but as it begins to grow up, the weeds choke it out. You're on your way up, and the stuff around you is choking you out. Amen. So fields and, and, and ground can be uh, synonymous for people. You have to watch that. Because here the seed is good, right? When you're around, look, I, I got some folk that whenever I'm talking about, you know, the next thing in the Lord and the, the positive stuff in the Lord, first thing they come out of their mouth, I don't know if I would do that if I was you. Well, God didn't give you the idea, so maybe you're not going to do it. I remember one time I was on a, 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 the radio. You know, I was doing the radio programs and stuff. Y'all remember I was running. And then as I was walking down the hall, um, Big Sue on K-97. And uh, Prescott was still on the radio then. And Mike Evans in the morning. Y'all remember that show? So, you know, the, the, the studios are right next door to each other. So I'm walking out from doing the St. Jude program. And I had done the fundraising and all that stuff. And then I was walking down the hall, and Big Sue said, come in here, Reverend, come in here. And so I was on K-97, right? I was in there talking. And you know, that's the hip-hop station, right? And they play some music that's out there, right? I mean, you might be on there talking about Jesus in your tone of voice, but right after you get through talking about Jesus, they be talking about back that thing up right there. (laughs) You know Jesus and back that thing up don't go together, amen? Back that thing up, hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know. I've had too much time off, y'all. I've written some jokes that y'all really don't want to hear. I mean, I've been practicing, okay? As soon as I come off the radio station, I get a phone call. Man, what is you doing on K97? What are you doing listening, Mr. Holy? Doc, you ain't got no business on K97. The Lord doesn't cause you to be a preacher. I wouldn't be on there. That's secular music. I said, number one, in order to be on there, you must be invited. And probably the reason you're not on there is you weren't invited. And if anybody needed to hear a message of hope in the Lord, it wasn't the folk who was already listening to gospel music. It's the folk who listening to Jesus back that thing up. So I'm not going to let you trip with me about where God sends me to do what I'm supposed to do. You have to be careful the ground in which you operate and the seeds that you sow. You ever been around somebody, every good idea you come up with, they choke it out. Every new idea you come up with, they say somebody, I don't know. They already did that. Or guess what? It don't make no sense to me. Or I wouldn't do that if I was you. You start talking about cutting your hair. Girl, I don't know. I wouldn't. uh Uh-uh. You start talking about adding some weed to your hair. Girl, why is you going to put all that in there? Because I can buy it and it's mine when I buy it. It's what I want to look like this weekend. Amen. I want to throw it. Amen. I mean, when I walk in the room, I'm going to break my neck. You know, right. Somebody asked me the other day why I bought. You bought enough. I did. Why? Because it was there. Every good idea. Thorny ground. But some seed went in good ground. And when it went in the good ground, the Lord said, this is going to grow. You're in the right place getting the word in your life. You're around the right right people who are encouraging spirits. You are sowing what you're supposed to sow as the Lord told you to sow. You can expect a harvest in that situation. You can expect something good in that situation. You can expect that there will be a harvest. But here's what you got to do. You got to tend the seed that you sow. Please get this. Most of us think that when I sow the seed, I can go home and go to bed because we have heard that one plants and one waters and God gives the increase. And that is true. But if you keep looking in Mark, chapter four, of the same passage or go down a little bit further you got to tend that seed and never give up on it. Go to Mark chapter 4, verse 26. I want to show you something very powerful. Right after he talks about the sower and the seed in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 14 or so, or verse 20, look at what he says in verse number 26. This is an extremely powerful principle that you cannot be timid at harvest time, and you can't give up on the seed. you got to always believe in the godly seed that you sow. And then even as God gives grace to the seed, the harvest work belongs to you. Look at what the text tells us. Chapter four, verse 26. Are you there? And he said the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And should what? All right, so you've done your part, right? You're done. You're through, right? You think so. You put it down in the ground, right? Sleep by night, rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. Why? Because God is working that part, right? Verse 28. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain. But when the grain ripens, immediately he, puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So it is not incumbent upon me to have a child and dress him up and send him to school and never check his homework. I got the seed, I send it out, Boop. boy gonna grow up, graduate, I send him to kindergarten, next time I'm gonna see his homework and went in the 12th grade. Then I asked him, you ready to go to college? And he said, college? How you spell that? With a Q? You ain't checking out his homework. You ain't helping him with his spelling words, his vocabulary words. You sowed the seed, but you didn't tend to it. You just wanted God to do everything. It was time. There are two parts in this. I do sow the seed. God does give grace. I don't know how he does it. But when it's time for the harvest, the responsibility is mine. The reward, I had to pray about this. Uh, I I had to, you know, uh, sit down and and, and say some things to myself. You don't just put in the work. You got to get up and go get it sometimes. Uh, Yeah, I read the Bible, right? And I make sure, you know, I understand what it says. and and try. But I got to preach that thing on Sunday morning. I got to get up and go get it. You know, the guys will tell me something. They got a thing they always say, ring the bell, man. I'm going to go get it. I got to put in the work, right? Because I worked hard to put the message together. Now, I won't say, Lord, I done put the message together. Now, give it to your people. You better stand up and put that message out that the Lord gave to you. Right? And there's some of us sitting around here now trying to walk around with this false sense of humility. Well, you know, I'm just waiting on the Lord. And the Lord done gave you the idea. He done gave you the health and the strength. You better get your lazy self up and get up and go get it. You better get them go to work. If the Lord told you to get them to go buy it, if he told you to open it, if he told you to start it, if he told you to uh, get somebody to put your Internet up or to put your Web page up, you better take whatever the Lord has given you and quit asking God to just bless it and for it to miraculously happen. Because he says, when you see the blade coming out of the earth and the flower beginning to bloom, you got to go and harvest it. If you do not harvest it in its season, it's going to die on Divine. How many great ideas are in the cemetery? How many trips to France have never been taken? You put everything else on your credit card, you bought a pair of red bottles. go to France and walk in them and say, Wee wee. You ain't paid for them yet. <laughs> hey man, you back from France and you ain't paid for the trip yet, but you enjoyed the experience. I'm saying to us quit sowing seed and not tending to it to watch it come up and then not going back to harvest what is there. I'm not going to leave any opportunities on the vine. I'm not, I tell my family every day, I get up and I they say, Daddy, you know, you get up, you work so hard, you do this, you, you are, because I'm, gonna, I'm not going to rust out. I'm going to get it all out of me in this life in which the Lord has given me. Every time somebody say, can you, I'm going to say, let me pray about it. And if the Lord say, yes, I'm on the way. One weekend, I got to go from this city to that city to that city and get back here in time. And I'm going to do it all. People tell you sometimes, slow down. No, just pray for my strength. Because it's harvest time. And when it's harvest time in your life, listen, folk, you can't harvest when your health is gone. You can only harvest in the season in which God has given you health and strength to do it. Don't wait for your harvest to pass and then you're sitting around saying to someone, go cut that down for me. Go bring, I I wish. Get up and do it now. Quit being timid. What's what's the worst thing that can happen? You could fail, is that the worst thing that can happen? Mm Mm-mm. Worst thing that can happen is you couldn't try, that you didn't try. Because if you fail, you knew that you tried. But if you don't try, you never know if you fail or not. You are guaranteed to fail if you never try. So a, a non-attempt is a definite failure. And I think what we've got to learn to do is learn when it's harvest time in our life, right? And, and, and what I love about the Bible is, you know, harvest time comes at every age in life. Caleb said, give me my mountain. Elizabeth and, and, and Zechariah, the Bible, said they were well past age. Abraham and Sarah or Sarah, they were old. They said they, their point, they couldn't bear no more. But God, got, Look, age ain't nothing but a number. And then there was young kings in the Bible, eight years old, Josiah and others. God will allow, whenever your season, that's your season. But you got to get up and you got to harvest it. Don't be always in the sowing season, knowing the harvesting season is, and get up and go get it. Yes. She was what? They didn't say how old her mother was, but her mother is still living and got a chance to see a grandchild, uh, two children before she died. Okay. So those of you who are 60 and 70 and your mother's still praying for you to have children, you might want to call your mother and say, Mama, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, but if, if you notice, can I, can I give you a, a, a nugget in that? Go read Luke chapter 1 again. Even though Elizabeth was barren, Guess what the Bible says, Zacharias kept praying. He kept praying. And so even though they were well beyond their years, as the writer says, Zacharias did not allow the natural elements to get into his mind, his spiritual mind, and prevent him from praying for the harvest. That's a great thing to remember. Don't let the natural things around you keep you from praying for a harvest, right? How many of us have discounted ourselves because we didn't have the credentials on the job? Come on. How many of us have said to ourselves, I don't have that degree, I didn't go to that school, I can't get that position? Guess what? It's God that gives promotion. How many of us have said, I don't have the money to start that business, I can't buy that car, I can't live in that house? It's God that blesses with all of that kind of stuff. You know, sometimes we discount ourselves, and I'm going to get into that on Sunday, how we look at ourselves and we don't think that we're worth it. But God reminds us that if he deems you worthy, then that's all that matters, right? If he says you're worth it, it does not matter what others may say, all right? Let me keep going. I want to give you these quick principles and get out of your way. How many have I given you so far? Two, I said sow a seed if you want to harvest, right? I said don't sow good seed in bad ground, right? Did I tell you never to give up on the seed you've sown? Did I not say that? Okay, I said you got to tend to it. Right, you got to tend to it. Don't give up on the seeds you've sown, you got to tend to it. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 29. I didn't give y'all that? All right, how many of y'all said I gave you two and I gave you three? All right, here's number four. Don't mess with me. I know how many I gave y'all. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Never give up on the seed you have sown. Scripture for number two, uh, Mark chapter four, verses one through 20. Don't sow good seed in bad ground. Mark chapter four, that's the seed, that's the sower the, the, the soweth the word, right? Can I go back and give you something on don't give up on the seed you've sown? Your child is your seed. Your child is your seed. Amen? Your child is your seed, right? They get on your nerves. They get on somebody else's nerves. Right? Guess who they are at the end of the day? Your child. Right? If a child ever needs a corner man, a corner woman, they need it to be their parent. They need you to never give up on them. You can fall out with them. You can chastise them. You can tell them they ain't right. You know, you can, do all, you can correct them, do all the corrective measures, but that's a difference. Don't give up on them. They're still your seed. Pray for them, intercede for them, even when they don't know you're praying for them, right? I mean, you know, I, I done put so much oil on some pictures in my house or something like that, and you can't see their face no more. <laughs> Who is that? I can't remember. I just oiled it. Amen. It's one of them. <laughs> but just pray for them. Amen. Yes. What you say? Amen. I mean, and, and, and that, you got to persevere in that, right? Don't persevere for cars and houses and give up on your children. Don't be always in the wanting pattern of, you know, God, I want to fix it where I can have this and have that and give up on people. People are more important than possessions, right? And so intercession and, and seed sowing is, is more valuable in the life of humanity than it is about stuff. Can I get that? Uh, I, I want us to not be that, that you know, conditionally uh, caught up on stuff. People are so much more important than stuff. All right, uh, the fourth one. I gave you one, two, three. Uh, never be timid when it's time to harvest, right? Never be timid when it's time to harvest. That's, again, Mark 4 and 29 specifically. Sometimes we start acting a little timid. A little, you know, shy when you start showing. Anybody ever planted anything in your life? what did you plant? What'd you plant? You planned a vacation. You? Okay. Anybody ever plant anything? What did you plant? What'd you plant? Flowers, okay. Vegetables. Did you get dirty? All right. Did you plant anything? Did you get dirty? Anybody ever plant anything and stay cute while you plant it? Right? Now, I ain't talking about you folks. who go out there and put down a seed like that, right? I'm talking about planting, right? When you plant stuff, what are you really doing? You got to get in the dirt, don't you? You got to get in the weeds, don't you? You got to, What? What did somebody? Somebody walk me through the planting phase. Come on, tell me what you do. You got to till. You got to clear the. You got to clear the earth, right? If I choose a spot, I got to clear the earth, right? Then what do I have to do? I got to dig. I got to turn the soil over, right? Then I got to do what else? I got to sift the rock, right? If there's some rocks in there, ain't nothing gonna grow. Y'all don't know nothing about. It. Y'all ain't. Y'all, y'all ain't no. I ain't got no country folk in here, right? You sift out the soil to make sure you got good soil there, right? And you sift the rock out of it, right? And then you go get your little water, right? And you put it over in there because you got to get that soil good and right and so, so you're getting ready to put your seed over in there and you got to germinate. Now when you put your seed in there, can you just drop it on the top? You really got to take what? Two fingers and kind of go down in there a little bit, ain't you, right? I know you got your gloves on, you done bought all your pretty stuff. But you got to put your fingers down in there, and then you got to put those seeds down in that hole, and then you got to cover it up because it's some stuff that want to come eat up your seed. The enemy want to come get it, right? And if you lay it on the top, guess what? He just The bird just sitting there saying, oh, Lord. Oh, look at them seeds they're putting out there. Oh, gee. Look at them cute planters over there. they just out there just sprinkling seed, loving right? As soon as you go back in the house, the bird's out there just eating. Squirrels, birds, chipmunks, they just had to, they calling each other, seeds, (laughs) seeds, man, over here. You get dirty when you plant, right? So why have you gone through all of that laborious work to now become timid at harvest time? Just like you work to put it down, get out there and work to get it up. You know a sickle, I got one at the house, I should have brought it. It's this thing that's curved like this. You can't just go in there with no sickle doing this right here. You gotta come on with that sickle. You gotta grab that thing right here. If you do it too much, you're gonna poke yourself. I wanna cut myself but you got to cut it, right? And guess what you're going to do? You're going to come in with a harvest. You're going to break a sweat. You're going to get a little dirty out there, right? But guess what the difference is? You're coming in with something this time, and you got something to show the labor that you've put in. I have never seen anybody come back from the harvest that wasn't happy. I'm gonna tell y'all a story, y'all can't repeat this. Muscadine grapes grow up high, right? You Gotta knock them down. So we would take them sticks and them bottles, we'd throw them up there, grab them, shake them, and pull them, right? And the muscadines fall down. It's a mess to harvest muscadine, but David Ball had a member at his church that knew what to do with muscadine grapes. With muscadine grapes, you get muscadine wine. And you know, when the wine came back, I didn't think about the labor no more. We just sit out there and sip that good wine. And didn't nobody think about how hard it was to get the grapes down out the vine. You don't think about your labor when your harvest come in, all you do is thank God for the harvest. I don't see nobody complaining on Friday when the eagle fly. I don't care how bad the work is Monday through Friday. When you check your little uh, cell phone and you see that you just got paid, you start singing Johnny Gill, just got paid. You know, you're gone. You're done. I mean, because it's a different day altogether. Fifth one. I'm getting, was that number four? Never be timid. Uh, scripture again was Mark 429. It was a reiteration of the other one. Yeah, don't ever, and I just include that, never give up on the seed you've sown. Always tend to it. That's one together. That's number three all combined. The final one is pray to the God of the harvest for the release. Sometimes you have labored, but the harvest does not come forth. Anybody ever seen Late Harvest? There are some products that are Late Harvest products. Late Harvest products tend to taste better because they're rare. You don't get them every day. Houston's has a corn that they serve, but only for a season because you can't get it year-round. It's called the Late Harvest. And when you go there and you get it one time, if you like corn, not on the cob, but they cut it off, right? And they fix it just right. Anybody ever had it? It's good stuff. But you're going to go in there one day and they're not going to have it because it's a late harvest product. Late harvest tends to taste better because it has sweetened and stayed on the vine just a little bit longer. Anybody ever had a wine called Gewürztraminer? You never had ice vine wine? You don't like the Riesling wines. Y'all trying to act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. The dessert wines, the sweet Moscato wines, those wines were not picked when they picked the Sauvignon Blancs. They weren't picked when the Pinot grapes were picked. Those were early season grapes. They all grew at the same pace, but they let those stay out there in the cold a little bit longer to get a little bit sweeter. They are in great demand, even though they had to stay on the vine a little bit longer. When you have labor, and your blessing didn't come early, don't trip about it. Just pray for God to release it. Because when he releases it, it's gonna be sweet. It's gonna be something ain't nobody ever had before. (laughs) It's gonna be something that you're gonna say, you can't get this everywhere every day. This comes in small quantities, small packages, and it is only for a discriminating taste bud because you have to ask God to release that harvest so that it does not spoil and stay on the vine long. But, Lord, give it to me in the season in which you want me to have it. If you don't get your husband at 29, as long as you get him at 49, you got him on the time God gave him to you. If you don't get your money now, get it when God wants you to have it. You're going to enjoy it just as much. I want to show you a very powerful scripture. James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Sometimes you got to learn who not to talk to. And focus your mind. On having the right conversation. James chapter 5, verse 1. Come now, you rich, and weep, howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Watch verse four. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. In other words, I stopped asking the one who should have promoted me and should have elevated me and I started talking to the Lord and when my cry reached heaven, the Lord released what was supposed to be released by man all the time. You got to know who to talk to to order to get your harvest. Your harvest, Lord, help me in this house, is not in the hands of man. If people don't do right by you, don't fall out with people, cry out to God. He said that when the cry of the reapers have reached the Lord of Sabaoth, that is the Lord of hosts. That is the Lord of the heavenly armies. And that means that God himself released and dispatched angels to go and gather up the harvest that you were due. And Bring it to you rather than you having to wait another day for it. and I love that imagery because what it literally says to me Is that there are times when folk know they ought to do right by you and they refuse to do right by you But you don't have to worry about people that don't do right by you because God God is listening and if you cry out to God, he will release your harvest and he will release it in a season and a time in which you will enjoy. That's your win right there. Your win is never held up in the hands of somebody. It is always in the hands of God. Amen? Amen? Come on, let's give the word a hand on tonight. God says, cry out to him. Real quickly with me, let's just pray this prayer. Lord, my harvest is held up. I've been laboring. It said that they had been mowing the fields. They had been working in the hub. They had been teaching in the school system. They had been helping the bottom line of the system to make millions. But they have not shared in the profits nor the prosperity and the progress of the corporation. There is a harvest with their name on it. And they won't respond to my emails, Lord, help me. They won't even give me an appointment to talk to me But God, you know where the harvest is. It's a late season harvest. It's a real ripe grape on the vine. But Lord, it gets sweeter with time. And I pray for a release for your people. Those whom have labored and loved. Those whom have supported others and lifted them up. Release their harvest. When I was writing... uh, I was writing my speech for uh, the graduation. I spoke at my graduation. I don't know what the Lord was doing to me way back then, but I was a speaker at our graduation. Paula was in there, uh, some of my friends. And I learned a word called sumtertius. It's a Latin word. Sumtertius. It is the sum of things I am third. In the sum of all things, I am third. God is first. Others are second. I am third. And I begin to try to live my life that way. And so I find that when you put yourself and put the needs of others before you, the joy that you seek to give to them, God has a way of directing that joy back to you. You reap what you sow. That's all it is. Amen. All right. Now, one other question. Anybody else? Man, you shouldn't ask me that. You messed me up. All this pollen in the room and stuff, man. Uh, uh, all right, come on, let's get ready. Anybody else have a question? Got here one. All right, let's get ready to get out of here. Do I have any first-time visitors with us on the night? Anybody, first-time visitor. All right, God bless you. Thank you, visitor. Give our visitor a hand. Amen. Um, do I have some more over there? Okay, bless y'all. I didn't see y'all. Bless you. Good to see you. Good to see all of our visitors on the night. Uh, we always extend an invitation to Christ to anyone who is here. Uh, Not just on Sunday at church, but at any worship service we have. We offer Christ to you if you are seeking a church family, a church home. I define the church family on Sunday as people who won't leave you at the brook. Folk who won't see you when you're down and refuse to come back and lift you up. Uh, And I pray that if you are ever connected to this fellowship, to this family, that you build relationships within this fellowship, within this family, of which you're responsible for sowing and reaping, God will give growth to it. But if you speak to somebody, somebody will speak back to you. You reap what you sow. If you smile at somebody, somebody will smile back at you. Some of y'all ain't married because you ain't smiling. I'll let y'all catch that on the way home. Some of y'all gonna come here Sunday. (laughs) brother. some of y'all need to smile. Amen. But we offer Christ to you if you're looking for a church home or a church family, please come. We'd love to have you as a part of this fellowship and family. Amen. All right. If you're here and you desire, it's on you. All right. Okay. Seeing that there are none, there's always room. Come on, stand right where you are. Uh, We always leave an offering tray available for those who want to give. Please come at the end. So, in the place where God tells you to sow. Uh, Be faithful to the endeavors of this ministry and support it. Take somebody by the hand. Make sure you know their name. Don't be holding hands with nobody in church you don't know. Amen. Find somebody in your small group circle there. Y'all connect with each other. If they're a visitor, find out. Hey, visitor, don't let visitors stand by themselves. All right, get to know each other. Talk for a moment. All right, this Sunday, uh, Jersey Sunday, wear your jerseys, wear your uh, football team, baseball team, fraternity, sorority, wear your stuff, uh, picnic right after church. What else was I supposed to say? If you order a t-shirt, it's in the lobby. Uh, What else am I supposed to say? The sermon is called Damaged But Still Winning. Uh, Parking. What about it? It's gonna be at the other end of the street. We're gonna have shuttles bringing you up and down. You'll be comfortable, all right? It's worth coming and participating, all right. Ask the people, I'm sorry. There will be a 745 service, yes. Ask the people that you're holding hands with, what do you want your harvest to look like? Now they should be responding. What do you want your harvest to look like? You ought to be able to describe that in very simple words. If the Lord visits with you today, like he visited with Solomon and said, what do you want from me? What would you tell him? What would you tell the Lord? Tell him. You you would have to know it. So if you want to win, you got to know what your win looks like. Your win does not look like someone else losing. Your win does not look like someone else having less than what you have. Your win looks like God's plan for your life and you fulfilling that plan in the Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I'm a winner and I'm holding the hand of a winner. I got a seed in the ground and I have planted it in the right place. I am going to tend to that seed faithfully. I'm going to tend to that seed fervently. And Lord, when the harvest begins to emerge, I will not be timid for I have faithfully labored as you commanded that I should. I am paying my dues. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm trying hard every day. I'm giving it my best effort. I'm faithful to what you've assigned me to. So, Lord, I can expect a harvest from you. In my expectation, God, when my harvest comes, I have no need to be ashamed. I have no need to walk around with my head down or to be timid. I have no need to hide. For, Lord, I have labored and I have planted where you have placed me. Bless us now to be reapers of the harvest, winners in our season. In Jesus' name, all of those who love the Lord said, amen. Tell your neighbor it's your winning season. Amen. God bless you.